here. We go. Can you say episode? Episode. Can you say 85? 85. Say 85. 85. Say here. Here. We go. Can you say podcast? No. Can you say podcast? No. Say podcast. Podcast. My podcast. My podcast. It's my podcast. My podcast. Well, but it is my podcast, but she was right. It's episode 85. She was right about that. Now that's a debut. That's a two-year-old on the podcast. Definitely going to increase my listenership. Adding a little cuteness to it, right? Don't we like a little cuteness? Huh? A lot of family time lately. A lot of family time. For some, maybe that's difficult. But for me, I have a feeling when I look back upon this phase of life, this really weird and challenging phase of life, as we are all quarantined, I think that'll be the positive. We got to spend quality time with family. And then we could jump into a long list of negatives because it is negative. What's going on right now? I'm not going to try to spin it and say, oh, but we all get to stay indoors and be creative and use our imaginations and make up new activities and really get to know each other. I'm not going to candy coat this one. This is bad, but you already knew that. You didn't jump into this podcast to hear more negativity. Maybe you jumped into this to get away from it for a little bit, although you can't. You actually can't right now. No topic has ever consumed my life more than this. And I lived through 9-11. I've lived through some other big stories, some other historic moments for the human race. Nothing like this. So what is this? This is a lot of sweatpants time. Honestly, it's now embarrassing. Why would I ever get dressed? Why? We're sheltering in place. Who's wearing denim? Is anybody taking a shower and then putting on jeans? Who's doing that? Nobody's wearing denim right now. Are you wearing slacks? No, you're wearing sweatpants or pajama pants or sweatpants shorts. Have you seen these? Maybe the greatest invention in fashion. Shorts made out of sweatpants material. You can actually go to the grocery stores in those. Sweats? Uh, I, I don't always go to the grocery store in sweats. I mean, right now I do. But typically, at least I change pants for the grocery store. Right now, it's sweats and sweats and sweats. I even asked my wife last night on the couch. We were re-watching Black Swan, which is a thriller. And I asked her, oh, by the way, honey, do you need more sweatpants? And she paused for five seconds and said, how sad. How sad that we are having that conversation. Are we low on sweatpants? Just so we have a little more variety in our daily choices. Most people are rotating two, three pairs. And that's about it. And I'll be honest, it's so monotonous right now. I just get into this hamster wheel of a life that I do forget to put on deodorant. And a couple of days, I forgot to brush my teeth. I remember my teeth were feeling fuzzy at about 5 p.m. I didn't tell my wife. And I was like, oh, shit. Just run down the hallway, grab the toothbrush. Oops. But when I'm in the routine of actually leaving my home, then I front load the many steps to getting myself ready for the world. Now, what am I getting myself ready for? I communicate with my students in my sweats, in my cozy socks, hang out with my daughter in my sweats and my cozy socks, go on all my dog walks in my sweats and my cozy socks. This is life. I think what I'm describing sounds comfortable, but it's not because that thin layer of stress that is consuming all of us right now, 
that permeates a lot of the good moments. And there are some good moments catching up on old shows, but then you look down at your phone and you get another news update and you go, oh, that's not a good update. Not really a great update. What are the weirdest things you're Googling right now connected to the coronavirus? I think we're all Googling really weird things. I mean, obviously we're Googling cure, coronavirus cure or coronavirus vaccine. And every time I Google it, there's like a new story from another country where they're getting close. And then that story just vanishes. Have you noticed that? Scientists in Peru today have made some advancements in what? And then that story just goes away. Doctors in Israel say they are two to three weeks away. And you're like, okay, I'm going to keep refreshing that story. And then just vanishes. An Australian nurse claims to have the vaccine up her sleeve. And you read the whole story and you're like, all right, it seems like secondhand, thirdhand sources, but still you get a little hope for a moment. And then you go back to that story and you're like, where'd the Australian nurse go? Where are the Israeli doctors? Canadian epidemiologists. I'm reading so many of these stories and I guess it's false optimism because we do have to be patient. The vaccine's not coming anytime soon, but still I Google, I Google good news. The New York Times even had a story and the headline was best case scenario and worst case scenario of COVID-19. And I only read the best case scenario. What does that say about my personality? That I'm soft, that I can't handle any more bad news. It just says I'd like to see the best case scenario and it looked good. It looked good. What else are we Googling? Symptoms. Everybody has Googled that by now. Symptoms of coronavirus and the numbers rising and rising and rising. How many deaths? The age of the people dying. A lot of school updates, a lot of sports updates, a lot of political updates. I wonder, are we all reading the same updates? Or are some people just so much more pessimistic because of the news sources they are selecting? And then some people are just so much more optimistic and positive because the politicians they're listening or the news sources that they're following. So, Hopefully we could all meet up at the crossroads of truth in the future. But right now, I wonder if we're all in our little pockets of consuming this story differently, or are we all on the same page? I actually wonder that because we're not really interacting right now. I mean, I text friends. It's really weird not knowing when you're going to see your friends again in person. You're not having dinner parties. Actually, the amount of things that are not happening right now is kind of stunning. I wrote down all these weird thoughts connected to the coronavirus. I'm just going to read them right now. Here are the weird thoughts that I wrote down throughout the last few days connected to the coronavirus and its impact. Uh, Number one, I wrote down 10 thoughts. All of a sudden I'm Dave Letterman. Uh, Number one, the cruise industry, it's done. And I don't just mean for now, but nobody is going to be booking a cruise for the next 10, 15, 20 years, right? Of all the many choices for leisure and recreation, are you booking a cruise right now? Are you getting on a boat with a bunch of strangers? ready to ride the unsteady seas into the world of sickness? Fuck no. Now, I've never been on a cruise. It's never appealed to me. And I know people say, lots of food, lots of gambling. Hey, there's a comic on the boat and there's pools. Good social life, a lot of booze, a lot of fun. I just picture the rooms, just these cramped, claustrophobic rooms where you always feel like you're rocking. And then I picture a lot of people just shoving each other at the buffet. My vision of a cruise was already bad, but now after the coronavirus, it's done. I don't think my generation are going back. I think our grandparents and our parents liked cruises, but I really think that industry is going to be extinct. My next weird thought, there are no bar fights or stadium fights right now. Think about how many bar fights there are throughout America. Right now, I believe no bars are open. Well, in most cities, no bars are open. 
And of course, there's no games. There's no baseball. There's no basketball. There's no soccer. There's no sports. That void is so apparent every single day. So there is nobody getting riled up and starting fights in the stands. It's not happening throughout the world right now. It's kind of refreshing. And all of that aggression, because there's no bar fights or stadium fights right now, it's clearly now on Twitter. People are upset with each other. Twitter's already toxic, but now it's just you soaked it in kerosene and lit a match. (laughs) Twitter is a motherfucking wildfire right now. All right, buckle up. Uh, My next weird thought, zero comedians are performing. All these comedy clubs, dormant. Nothing's happening. Every comedy club in the world right now is closed. So every comedian who's going on tour for their Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday show, they're just at home in front of their microphones. So comedians' podcasts right now are really good. Sorry, it's just a weird thought that there's no comedy happening. Colin Quinn, he tweeted, what about drive-in comedy clubs? where you stay in your car. It's the greatest idea I've read. When it comes to entertainment, drive-in comedy clubs, Colin Quinn, already a very smart comedian, he may have solved this. If you could have one in the Bay Area, I don't care where it is, I would drive anywhere right now just to see a comic on a stage and everybody in their cars, like an old drive-in theater, a little slice of Americana, do it. My next thought, uh, nobody is looking at Renaissance art in Florence. Michelangelo's David, no one's looking at that. These museums are closed. No one's sitting at cafes drinking wine right now throughout Italy. You think of Italy before the coronavirus? It's like the most beautiful thoughts come to mind. Oh, the museums, oh, the food, the beauty of Tuscany. None of that. For hundreds of years, every day people have looked at Renaissance art, sculptures, paintings. No one's looking at it. All these plazas, piazzas that have been filled with people drinking espresso throughout Italy. And I bring up Italy because clearly it's in the news as one of the hubs of the danger zones of COVID. But nobody is currently at a cafe having a glass of wine or a coffee or a gelato. That's sad. That's where I went on my honeymoon. Could you imagine if you planned your honeymoon and you were like, late March, we're going to get out to Italy after our mid-March wedding? Nope, nope, scrapped. So sad. My next weird thought, the NBA draft is not going to have any tournament heroes I am mourning the loss of March Madness. It's the best. But when you have attorney, you have a lot of people who are not necessarily college basketball fans that get a chance to see the biggest stars on the biggest stage shine. This is when Steph Curry at Davidson becomes a name. This is when Tim Duncan at Wake Forest. There's just such a long list of tournament heroes. Wally Zerbiak, Miami of Ohio. Think about Tyus Edney at UCLA. Just think about all the stories of a guy maybe that came out of nowhere and then you watched him for a few weeks in the tournament and then you cared where he was going to get drafted. That story doesn't exist. That storyline is gone. The NBA draft is going to be a mystery to most people. Who's this guy? And then you'll read about him and go, okay, I guess he had a monster college basketball career, but we didn't get to see the culmination, the pinnacle, the crescendo. This tournament is supposed to launch our interest into the next great crop of rookies. Now... I mean, if you're a fringe basketball fan or a big basketball fan, you're going to be a little lost on the next wave of talent because the month of March is when the education, the hoops education truly happens. We cram. It's like cramming. Less and less people are watching college hoops throughout the regular season, but more and more people watch madness. I need madness. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. Feels so bad for the seniors who worked their asses off to get to this point. My next weird thought, uh, people are going to start doing home haircuts. There's no barbershops open. There's no salons open right now. People are just going to grab scissors. 
and start doing their own hair. Clippers, buzzers. Guys who don't know how to do a fade properly, they're just going to start shaving their heads. That's what I'll have to do. I can't let this gray and brown fro grow. I got to keep it tight, toit. Nail salons, any sort of cosmetology, beauty care, it's all closed. Go do it at home. Have fun. Good luck. You're going to look silly. People are going to look sillier. People are going to have giant beards, ugly hair, ragged nails, and our sweats. So we're getting uglier. We all think we're going to have more time for fitness too in our living rooms. Go on runs. Eh, yeah, but you have more time to snack. So I don't know if we're all getting in shape during this shelter-in-place closure of the world. Some people are fantasizing about that. I'm going to wake up, do sit-ups and push-ups. No, you're not. You're going to have potato chips by 9 a.m. Just me? Just me? When my wife leaves the kitchen, yeah, I just drink a bag of potato chips. They'll never know. I'll eat a string cheese in one bite. You think I care? No. That's why I have plateaued. I do work out a lot. Haven't lost a pound. The snacking is at a high level. Stress snacking. During this crisis. They're calling it stress snacking. Tonight on KTVU, a local man shows us what it looks like to inhale a cheese puff. My next weird thought, radio ratings will plummet. No one's commuting. Nobody's on the roads. Nobody's on the highways. Driving around right now, going to work. That's when people listen to radio, morning radio, afternoon radio, on your way into work, on your way out of work. No one's on the roads. Who are these radio hosts talking to? I don't think a lot of Americans have radios in their homes. It's not the fireside chats with FDR. Radio ratings are going to dip, 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 and you're going to see cuts. I mean, you're going to see cuts in so many industries. I don't even want to get into the economics and the unemployment. It's almost too ugly. It's too depressing and demoralizing to actually think about. But in the world of radio, there's a lot of hosts right now working hard and probably delivering quality content to nobody. No one's listening. Radio thrives when people are in traffic. There's no traffic in the USA. That's a weird thought. My next weird thought, um, college kids. About mid-March, all your colleges went to remote learning, online learning, cyber learning. Did they all just come home? Did all these college kids in the dorms or the apartments on every college campus in America? I actually don't know. I haven't done any research. I was just thinking, did they now come home and live with their parents? Or are they still on campus not partying? Just sitting in a dorm room, not assembling with big groups, no keg parties, no socializing. If you're a college kid and they have removed socializing and they have removed the classroom experience, are you back home with mom and dad? Are you back home with your parents? All the college kids in America? Back to your old bedroom with your siblings? What's more depressing, an empty dorm room on a campus without any partying or just going back in mid-March to your old bedroom. If you're a college kid right now, I don't know where you are, but what, what the hell happened? I know you're probably still doing this remote learning, these online classes, which I'm experiencing as well. I mean, I'm experiencing it just like everybody's experiencing it. Teachers are posting assignments. Teachers are doing the live chats, the Zoom, the Google Hangouts. I started a podcast, a private podcast through SoundCloud for my students just to give them some guidance and instructions and some content. But really, it's a completely different experience. The world of education right now, it's kind of hit a bit of a speed bump. There's going to be holes in their knowledge. That question, what do you expect of your teachers? What do you expect of your students right now? It's still being figured out. Nobody has the answer. Some people act like they have the answer. Nobody has the answer. Are these kids just getting assignments from every teacher at once? Hey, do this. Then I'll show up on a video chat for you. These kids, some of them without the bell. I mean, not to make it sound like a prison. You have to be here. I mean, legally they do. 
But without the bells, I have so many students not showing up. And you have to hunt them down, find their parents. But really, you can't. You can't force them right now. There's no attendance being taken. This whole thing of remote learning, who's doing it well? There was no training for this. So everybody's got their own approach. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do, like use Google Classroom. But really, the sad thing, you know, it's sad that they're not going to have a stimulating classroom experience. I, I really do think that's sad. But here's what's way sadder. These kids aren't socializing. These kids, I'm talking about 16, 17, 18-year-olds who probably have their first girlfriend or boyfriend or are loving seeing their friends every day. They're not allowed. They're at home. So they might miss learning in a classroom. They might miss sports. They might miss clubs or the extracurriculars. But really, just the idea of seeing faces is so healthy for a lot of them. And that brings up the topic of mental health. How are they doing? A lot of these kids are not doing well. That's scary. I mean, my attention could lie within so many different areas right now of who's struggling and who's suffering. But clearly, as a teacher, I think about these kids. And school is a place. I'm not going to act like school is just the most incredible place. But just being a place away from their homes is huge. All right, forget the kids that play sports, the popular kids that are involved with theater or film or clubs or even have their own clique. Think about that kid who does nothing, doesn't play a sport, not in a club, doesn't have a big group of friends, but still... They get to leave their home and go to a place. And this campus provides an alternative to their homes. Or maybe they don't get along with their parents. Or maybe they're sharing a bedroom with a bunch of siblings or cousins. A cramped apartment right now where you're being told you can't leave. That's depressing. That's what I think about. That's what gets me down. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, college kids. Where are they? Back home? Is the year over? My next weird thought. Uh, Paying for things you're not getting. We don't have a housekeeper, but if we did, we wouldn't have her come over. But does that mean you just stop paying your housekeepers? These people need that money. Your gardeners, if you have that. Your daycare. If you're not sending your kids to daycare, so you're not going to receive a service, are you still paying for the daycare? These are big questions. Gym memberships, you still paying for that? Your gym's closed. You don't go to the gym. Do you still pay for the gym? Now, if you have the means, you want to keep people employed, you want to do your part, then do it. But the amount of people right now, that are going to ask that question. Should we still be paying for this? I mean, we're not doing it. We're not receiving this service. It's going to create some controversy. Moral controversy. Controversy? Moral controversy. But you know what I mean. Finances are such a hot topic right now. You want to do your part to contribute. But my wife and I were told by our preschool, our daycare, that they're going to open up in April. And they said, but if you don't want to send your kids, that's fine. You don't have to pay tuition for this month. And my wife and I are like, yeah, but the ladies, I mean, these are some of the greatest humans we've ever come across. Our daycare ladies, if they need the money, we still want to pay, even if we don't have to. But do we pay all of it? These are the questions. And then finally, uh, I wrote this down. Uh, The handshake is going to be extinct. Definitely gone for five years, right? The classic handshake. We're going to turn to the bow. I can see it now. Not even a fist bump. There's going to be no skin-to-skin greetings. An elbow bump, if you're wearing a sweatshirt, maybe. But the handshake is so intimate. A clammy, sweaty handshake with a stranger, which does happen before the coronavirus. You were shaking hands with a bunch of strangers. A bunch of strangers. Think about all the times you just shake someone's hand. Hey, nice to meet you. No, it's not. We have to do this. Gross move. Where's the hand sanitizer? Handshakes to me, usually gross. And now with the coronavirus, done. 
You just won't be doing it. So we have to have different greetings. I hope nobody's offended, but no more handshakes. It's extinct. March of 2020. This will be in Wikipedia. When the handshake went extinct. We will turn to the bow in America or something else. Maybe the wink. That's creepy. I don't know. But these are thoughts that are kind of meaningless, yet they creep into my mind and keep me up and give me insomnia. So I do not sleep well. I also don't sleep well because our two-year-old now wakes up screaming. Doesn't wake up with that sweet voice that you heard. Just wakes up screaming that it's too dark and we have about three nightlights on. What? You didn't ask? Okay, I'm moving on. Moving on. Actually, I'm really moving on right now. Like, I'm really moving on. New topics. I've had enough time to just explore thoughts. So I wrote good stuff. There's good stuff in the world. So important right now to focus on that. It is. I'm not saying you have to put your head in the sand. But everyone's come to that conclusion that you just can't take in the news all day. It's unhealthy. You actually have to turn off the TV, get away from your phone, and go towards the positives. So I got seven. I got seven positives. Maybe you could relate to some of these. Maybe you'll be like, eh, you're on your own with that. But uh, number one, these toddler videos on YouTube, these opportunistic YouTubers who are doing old McDonald, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, all the dumb shit. Baby shark, doot, 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 doot. There's like hundreds of baby shark, doot, 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 doot. Don't. Don't. Trying to make a buck? Getting clicks? Because you're doing your own rendition of baby shark. Don't. But my daughter loves it. Loves it. It's like the magic formula to make a two-year-old get excited. So we do a little video time each night before bed. little video time. Now, once you get away from all that shitty YouTube videos for toddlers, there's still Elmo. And Elmo's great. I think that's a universally agreed upon fact. Elmo's great. I mean, still boring to me because I don't love kids stuff. I just don't. I've never been into cartoons or any of that stuff, even when I was a kid, oddly. But I watched a full documentary with my wife recently on Netflix about the puppeteer for Elmo. And it made me so happy. This African-American guy who grew up in the projects of Baltimore was just drawn to the majestic world of puppeteering. And you almost just want to cry the whole time, tears of happiness, because it's such a cool story. The guy who's doing that voice all these years and how he idolizes Jim Henson and then meets Jim Henson and then works with Jim Henson. And the name Jim Henson is so meaningful in the world of puppeteering. You know, I never thought about the hand up Elmo, the voice. But this documentary, The Puppeteer for Elmo, I don't know what it's called, but it's on Netflix. And if you watch it, I guarantee you'll agree with me. That's a positive. It's a beautiful story. Plus, that's a skill, puppeteering, to make Elmo look happy, sad, worried. He's always interacting at a really high level. Even though Elmo, I guess, is supposed to be a toddler, Elmo's like an expert conversationalist. This Elmo analysis is why you tune in, right? All right, another positive. Of course, it's my old dog. I've spent a lot of time with him. But this is just borderline disgusting how much time I'm spending with this old hound. Yet he naps so much. And when he naps, his eyes roll back in his head and he runs in place. And I'm just picturing his dream. He's running again. He's young. He's young in a field. His little paws. And he's twitching. He's twitching and running. He's running in place and his paws are clearly agile. And he's so nimble in this dream. Where is he? The dog park in San Diego, Balboa Park. Where is he? Running up and down the aisles of Costco, jumping for samples. He's going to wake up into a world of arthritis and lumps and droopiness and hopefully not a lot of pain. 
but I will just watch my dog nap for a few minutes. That's a positive. By the way, I'm recording this right now and I could hear my daughter screaming through her nap. Should I pause? I think I have to pause. All right, yeah. I'm going to pause. All right, I'm back. She needs a little back rub once in a while, huh? Don't we all? To get to sleep, don't we all? You ever get jealous of your kid about how good their life is? We will feed you snacks. We will put on clean clothes. Make sure you're bathed. Make sure your teeth are brushed. Take you to fun places. Fill every minute of your life, hopefully with something that's fun or educational. So good. Oh, we're going on a walk. Do you want a fistful of goldfish and some applesauce? Yes. Oh, we're going on a drive. Do you want some Cheerios and a string cheese? Oh, we're walking to the other room. Do you want to dance there? Should I do a dumb voice? Beatbox? What do you need me to do? What a life. All right, I'm giving you positives. I'm giving you positives because we're just going to get away from the stress of co-rondog. How about if you're on walks and you hear like live instruments being played and you know they're being played by like a fifth or sixth grader? So it's like piano lessons or a saxophone that's bleeding out into the streets. The other day I heard an accordion being played. It was clearly an accordion being played. And it wasn't being played well, but it was a happy sound. The suburbs. This neighborhood is being filled with the sound of somebody playing a fucking accordion right now. How weird is that? There it is. There's the worst impression of an accordion you'll ever hear. But it was nice. I always love when I walk around the neighborhood and I hear some kid playing the trumpet. Probably doing his music class homework. It's great. Makes me happy. You know what else makes me happy? I'll now reveal my favorite food. It's corned beef. And we just had St. Patty's Day. Everybody probably had a weak St. Patty's Day. I'm not saying a bad one, but probably like tempered. Probably like subdued St. Patty's Day. That was our most recent holiday. But still, if you're doing corned beef properly, and this is one thing that you don't get in the restaurants. If you know how to do it at home properly, which I do, my God, I'll be tooting my own horn. I'm a corned beef expert. I am. I've been a corned beef expert for many years. It's amazing what corned beef is. This cured meat, obviously the night of with cabbage and potatoes, it's very good. But then when you put it in your eggs the next morning or you put it on a slice of rye toast with a little Thousand Island on top, it becomes the next three meals The progression of corned beef, way better than anything turkey lends itself to in November. Fuck turkey. You kidding me? Do I have to go on that rant again? Why don't we just serve corned beef on Thanksgiving and make me happy? It's by far my favorite food. Nothing's close. Nothing. Pizza, take a hike. Take a hike. What is this, the 80s? Pizza, take a hike. I'm on team corned beef. But it's true. It's all smiles when I'm eating it. Clearly my favorite food and what it becomes the next day. That's how you judge a Jewish deli, right? How's the corned beef? Do you have to say lean? If you ever go to a Jewish deli and the corned beef is weak, they'll be closed. They should be closed within a few days. That's the lifeline. And the pickles in the bucket on the table. And the chopped liver. Oh my God, how hungry are you right now? All right, I'm almost done with this positivity. You have to sit through this. You made it this far. I already mentioned that, but my daughter's daycare ladies, uh, their English is not great, but it doesn't have to be. They show so much love to her. That's so sad. Okay, I guess this is kind of connected to the coronavirus because she keeps talking about them. And you're like, we'll see them again. We'll see them again. Well, I drop her off every single morning 
And one of the phrases they know is, I love you. Myla, I love you. And I'm like, all right, do they say that to every kid? Because this seems real. They're like hugging her, dancing with her, playing with her for nine hours a day. They're not even related to her. Changing her diaper, feeding her, teaching her, reading her books. Are you fucking kidding? These are angels that have dropped down to planet Earth. And I found them. These are saints. These are just the most genuine, wonderful people. The warmest, greatest hearts I think I've ever seen. Really. And because they're not my friends. They're not my family. Where the love is almost obvious for my friends and family. But who are these ladies? I know nothing about them. Except they're probably the most important people outside of friends and family I'll ever have in my entire life. The daycare ladies. The preschool. You know who I'm talking about. If you have this situation. If you're listening right now and you're like, yeah, I know who he's talking about. These ladies, you don't know where they're from. I think somewhere in the Middle East. They're just fabulous. And I miss them. I'm picturing them right now and I'm getting sad. I'm picturing them. I love you, Myla. I love you. They don't love me though. I go, all right, have a nice day. They go, okay. Like they show all that warmth to her and then to me it's like, bye. That's fine. That's fine. All right, two more quick positives. Number... One of my two, I don't even know, what are we numbering things for? But Jeff Ross on Twitter. Jeff Ross is just my guy. The Roast Master. You don't meet many people that dislike this comic. But Jeff Ross, I was just waking up one morning, bleary-eyed, you know, turning on the lights, making coffee. And I went to Twitter and he tweeted, today I will be live streaming urine out of my penis. And I was just like, yes, I needed that. Because the amount of people live streaming something right now, it's annoying. The amount of people that are using this opportunity to capitalize on Twitter or any social media. Hey, watch me. Here's what I'm doing at home. The fact that Jeff Ross just tweeted, hey, today I'll be live streaming urine out of my penis. And that was the whole tweet. No hashtags, just one sentence. I laughed so hard and it reminded me how much I love him. He's a clever joke writer. So follow Jeff Ross on Twitter. And then finally, here's the weirdest thing I'll say before I just get out of here. I am deep down to my loins, a huge basketball fan. I love it. So right now, clearly, major void. Every single night, I don't watch live basketball. Just like you, we have that in common. Every single night, I don't watch live basketball. There's no tournament right now. There's no NBA. There's nothing. So a lot of people, I think, like me, are going to YouTube just to watch some highlights. And I like to type in the most obscure players' names I could possibly think of. So the other day, I typed in Chris Gatling. How many of you know who Chris Gatling is? Chris Gatling was like a really bony, weird, power forward, left-handed rebounder for the Warriors in the early 90s. And I remember going to games, my dad and I would get a program, and I would read every single player's bio, like the full bio, and they were all the same. Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, Uwe Blob, Chris Mullen, Manute Bull. Actually, Manute's wasn't all the same, but usually it's played high school basketball, played college basketball. And then pro career and stats. And then a little something like lives with his wife in Sunnyvale. Or like father is a policeman and mother is a teacher. Just, you know, a little bio info. But I remember in the Warriors program, it says Chris Gatling, because he had this scar on his head. And in the program, in his little blurb, instead of just talking about his high school basketball career, it says when Chris was 17, he was working on the hood of a van, cleaning the hood of a van, when he slipped and smacked his head on a cobblestone street. Now, I had to write this down just to get some of the information correct, but I remember reading this when I was like 10, 11 years old. I was like, what? The scar on Chris Gatling's head is because he fell and smacked his head. The story gets weirder. 
it created a subdural hematoma is a blood clot of the brain and had to be removed immediately. So for two weeks, he was a star basketball player. This is like during his senior year in New Jersey. He was in a coma. He woke up out of this coma and he was paralyzed on his right side. His speech was slurred, was told, you'll never walk again. He was actually told you might die. Senior basketball star, high school. And clearly he made a full recovery and had an NBA career. And I think he even made the all-star team once. And I was just like watching Chris Gatling on YouTube. I was like, this dude, his game was so weird. Actually, one of the big Chris Gatling highlights is getting dunked on by Sean Kemp as Kemp's balls just slap against his forehead, getting dunked on. But that's not the good highlight. But Well, there really aren't a lot of good Chris Gatling highlights, but I remember loving him. I always loved the peripheral players on the Warriors, not always the stars. Like, obviously, it's it's so easy to love Steph and Clay and Draymond right now, but I like some of the guys who are coming off the bench over the last few years. The David Wests, the Sean Livingstons. I mean, I'm not alone in that. Clearly, they were a great team. But even when they were such a shitty team, I loved some of the guys at the end of the bench. It's when Judd Bushler was Judd Bushler. I say that because then he became Judd Bushler with the Bulls, and everyone knows him. But when Judd Bushler was a warrior, everyone was like, who's this white guy? What? I mean, unless you knew his career at Arizona. But really, I love those guys. And Chris Gatling, he always seemed kind of like one of those guys. Like, he got in the games. He played quite a bit. But he made me happy. And then watching his YouTube highlights, I was like, yeah, this is making me happy. But just to take it down a negative path, it turns out he was sentenced to a couple years in prison for a telemarketing scam. Hey, that's why you don't Google your young heroes, folks. And that'll do it for episode 85. I hope you're safe. I mean that. I hope you're healthy. Help a neighbor. And stay indoors. There it is. If you're one of the few that listen to this, you really needed that piece of advice. That's why you were tuning in. You're like, what should I do? Yeah, stay indoors. And don't go insane. Try to write down all your positives. I did it. Chris Gatling to corned beef and the puppeteer for Elmo. I did it. Now you do it. There's your homework. That's good homework. The teacher in me is coming out. Now do your homework. Write down all these positive things. And if it's easy, wonderful. If it's not, then it's a challenging homework assignment. But I'll give you full credit. It's credit, no credit. It's not ABCDF. It's credit, no credit. Credit, no credit. Credit, no credit. Episode 85. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 